What's up, boys and girls? Thank you for tuning in to the Josh Belcher Experience. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. Remember, this podcast is unique, just like all the other ones you listen to. The only thing that truly sets us apart is your host has an ADHD-driven mind, followed by a splash of bipolar tendencies. Now sit back, relax, hold on to your seats, and let's get this party started. What a ram-packed, fun-filled episode 11 of the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. I'm your host, with the most, who likes eating toast. Oh, sorry, I just threw that in there. Uh, this is Josh Belcher. I want to let you know on the docket we have Evelyn Cormier. Um, she was on American Idol. Katy Perry called her her favorite voice. How crazy is that? Uh, and then we've got Brooke McBride, up-and-coming country star, who's getting married this week. Congratulations to you and Josh. I uh, also have the same name as me. Uh, with her new single, she's going to talk about that with us. Uh, we've got Matt S. from East Tennessee Bigfoot.org uh, on the second ever edition of the Yeti's Burger Dress. That's where Sam Madewell and I talk to people who have had Bigfoot encounters. and uh, So that should be pretty fun. I'll listen to that. Actually, it was fun for me. should be pretty fun for you. Um, we'd like to give a special shout-out to Phoebe Robinson. Oh, my gosh, one of the funniest ladies in comedy right now. Uh, she's doing all kinds of stuff, making moves. She's sweet. You couldn't have talked to a kinder, gentler person who is so funny and is just uh, kicking butt out there in the world of entertainment. Um, she was supposed to come to Nashville to perform at Zany's. Uh, had some uh, something go on. She's no longer going to be coming, but I have her at the end of the podcast, a little snippet of an interview I did with her, um, and I hope you can enjoy it. Couldn't play the whole thing because we're talking about Nashville and coming and things like that, but I uh, look forward to hopefully having her back here soon because she is a treat. Uh, and always, I got my co-host Sam Madewell with me, uh, contributing, and then we had Catherine Kane. If you uh, go back to uh, episodes uh, in the past, she was my first ever real-life 90-day fiancé. She's going uh, overseas here really soon to meet her lover, John, in Croatia, and they're going to start a life together. Well, she uh, hooked up with me and Sam when we interviewed Evelyn Cormier and uh, talked about uh, her life and her experiences as a 90-day fiancé on TLC and uh, how she dealt with certain things. So uh, that's what's going on this episode. So let's uh, get our seatbelts on and get this roller coaster rocking. Here we go. Really excited this week to have Evelyn Comer on the podcast from American Idol and TLC's 90 Day Fiance. He's her recent single, Peach Skies. Enjoy. Guest, very excited to have her on here. Uh, the Josh Belcher Experience. Uh, Josh, your co-host Sam Maywell. We've got Evelyn Horner with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, we are so pumped to talk to you. And, and Catherine's here with us as well. We'll get to her in a minute. But uh, you know, saw you uh, was was fumbling through YouTube again. Um, Sam and I just saw Chris Isaac at Nashville at the Wild Horse, and then awesome. I, I remembered you sang with him and just just did his songs justice. And I was like, 
what has this young lady been up to? And here you are, if you don't mind telling us a little bit. What, what have you been up to? What's going on in your career and everything since Idol? Yeah, uh, no, it's definitely been pretty busy since Idol. Uh, one cool thing is that, um, you know, I, I got to kind of spend a little bit of time uh, with Chris Isaac that day that, you know, we were rehearsing, we were talking a lot. Uh, and he said, when I come out uh, in the Northeast on my tour, I should have you come out on stage with me. Uh, and I thought, you know, that's just like, that's a nice thing to say. It probably never happened, but nice thing for him to say. But yeah. sure enough, he came up this way, and I opened for him twice uh, on his tour. Uh, I opened for him in New Jersey, and I opened for him uh, in my home state, New Hampshire. Yep. Uh, and it was just super fun. He had me come up on stage with him and sing a song, and I had my own set. Just really, really awesome. Um, I've been busy. I, I opened for the 10,000 Maniacs recently. Wow, no uh, kidding. Yeah, it's been so much fun. I've been working on lots of new music since I came home from Idol. Uh, and now, um, with American Idol, you're under contract for a uh, certain period of time. Yep. And so when that's lifted, you're free to do your own thing, basically. So it's like, now that I'm completely free, I have management flying me out to L.A. next week. I'm meeting with them, seeing if it's a good fit. Just kind of moving forward in that way with my career. And that's it's what so Congratulations, because, like, I mean, I know it's a tie-in, but, you know, we I saw you first on the 90-Day Fiancé, and just, <laughs> you were so sweet and so, you know, your, you and your family were just great people, and you were so talented, and I thought, man, this girl's going to go somewhere, and lo and behold, you know, I'm reading that um, you not only did you do American Idol, but you had a closed audition. I mean, does that, make, does that mean you did not have to wait in line? They, they actually sought you out, right? Yeah, yeah. So, basically, um they have, like, two main ways of finding people for American Idol. You know, they have the big open uh, open call audition where thousands of people go to, like, some stadium, and it's just really, really crazy and a long day. Uh, and they also have Internet scouts who are looking for, um, you know, good fits for the show. And so I was, they found me online. They asked if I'd be interested in auditioning. And I, you know, I thought, you know what? They came to me. Why not? Just yeah. go for it, you know? Like, it was definitely scary because it's something that I've always been kind of, like, freaked out by. Like, you know, auditioning for American Idol is kind of, it's risky, you know? There's a lot of, you know, you have to be really vulnerable. You have to be willing to hear no. Um, uh, but you know what? It was so much fun. And I went in. I had the private audition. Um, yeah, and it went from there. And that's from there I I auditioned in front of the judges after the initial audition. Yeah, and, and we're not talking – I mean, we're talking about heavy hitters, Lionel Richie, Luke Bryan, who lives right down the street from where we're at right now. Um, and then, awesome. And icing on the cake, Katy Perry literally told you you were her favorite voice, right? I mean, what was that like after – you know, did did the nerves leave after that? I mean, how did you feel? Can you explain that whole initial process to us a little bit? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, they show me going into the judges on TV. Like, I was just like, all right, I'm ready to go in now. But in reality, it's like – I was in New York City. It was a really cold day. We were waiting all day long. I mean, like, the audition day is super long. I think it was, like, a, a 22-hour day for me. Wow. Because I was, like, I was the second to last person to audition that day. And uh, so, you know, I've had all the nerves all day long, like, seeing kids come out with golden tickets, seeing kids coming out crying, going home, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so by the time I got in there, I was, like, hyped up. My nerves were going crazy. You know, seeing Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, Lionel Richie just, like, staring at you with their judgy faces on, like, because, you know, they're analyzing <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Everything was 
scary. It really is. And so when I finally sang, and Katy Perry was like, wow, one of my most favorite voices ever, I was like, oh, my goodness. Just like a big sigh of relief. And almost like unbelievable because I didn't know what she was going to say. I couldn't read her expression. I didn't know if she was going to be like, wow, I hate that. Yeah. I don't know what she's hearing. But like then to hear her say something overwhelmingly positive was just like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Well, from from a guy as myself who is, who like watched, like I said, I watched, you know, one of my guilty pleasures obviously is 90 Day Fiance because it's a train wreck. I mean, (laughs) it is what it is. But you guys were so nice and just like, just clear cut and everything. And then you know, I see you dart across the stage, and I'm, you know, I'm automatically pulling for you because I, I knew how you could sing, and I knew how kind and everything you were. And then just all that going on was like just icing on the cake, and, and well deserved. And, and you know, I couldn't have been more proud for someone that didn't know you, other than you know, watching your, uh, you know, your life there on the the uh, episodes. But yeah. That was freaking awesome. I mean, this is the only way to put it. And um, uh, my my uh, you know my my next question is, uh, do you spend any time here in Nashville? Have you been here, or do you ever want to perform here, or do you have any ties here yet? Um, so I have never been to Nashville. It's definitely been something that I've considered um, because for me, I consider myself uh, an indie alternative artist. And, yeah. you know, there's a pretty big scene of indie music in Nashville. At least that's what I've been told. Um, yeah, it's growing. You know, for somebody like me, you know, I, I've grown up in New Hampshire my whole life. Uh, and so when I think of Nashville, I think of country music. And so, you know, I'm kind of naive to the thought of like, there's a lot more going on in Nashville now than just country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've definitely had friends say, hey, Nashville is the place to be. I've had people tell me L.A. is the place to be. Uh, and at this point, I'm kind of going back and forth with different management, uh, figuring out what's going to be the best fit for me. And if they are based in L.A., then that's probably where I'm going to end up going for a while. Yeah, right on. Just, just visit them all. Just take your time and take them all in. You're young. Yeah. You're, are you even 21 yet? No, not yet. See, you've got plenty of time to yeah, rock and roll. I mean, you, you've got it. Um, oh, oh, another music question. It, I remember your family was uh, in, in your group. Are they still uh, touring with you and everything, your dad and your brother? Yeah, my dad played with me when I opened for Chris Isaac, and he played with me when I opened for 10,000 Maniacs, and we're still wow. playing a lot together, uh, even still in church. Uh, my dad's the worship leader at my church, so we sing every Sunday there. Right on. That you know that's fantastic. Cause he was such a good dude. Uh, I just I was pulling for him. Tell him, tell him you know we're 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 applauding him. Or at least I am. I was a fan of everybody. And that is radical. So good for good for dad. He was so proud of you there, American Idol there, and your mom too, just rooting you on. So uh, great, great you know scenario all the way around, and and, and very Thank proud you. of what you're doing. Um, looked on the website, the the newest video I saw, and I guess it's your current single, Peach Skies. Is that is that the the the, the most recent one? Yeah, that's the newest song that I've released. Yeah, great song, uh, very well directed. Um, so, uh, where, where can people like listen to this? Can you? Is it available for like downloading and, and like purchasing and everything? Oh yeah, yeah. You can find it on iTunes. You can stream it on Spotify. Um, all my music that's been released is out digitally. I do have an EP um, that you can actually buy, like a tangible CD, if you go on Amazon or if you're at one of my shows. Um, but currently I'm working on a new EP, and I'll be printing off some of those as uh, tangible CDs as well. But that shouldn't be out until this fall sometime. I hear you. Well, that's just right around the corner. Okay. Uh, Sam Sam has some things to ask you. You want to ask us, Sam? Sure, yeah. Uh, I see that you're you're doing well in the music business, whatnot, and at a young age here. I was just wondering what kind of uh, advice you would have for somebody starting out in a business up and coming. Anything that could potentially really help them out, or what do you think? Yeah, I'd say 
I'd say, like, one of the biggest things is that it's got to be your passion. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's got to be something that you can't picture yourself not doing. I don't think I could quit. Like, even if I decided to be like, I'm done with music, I don't think I'd stop writing music. I don't think I could stop singing. You know, it's it's your passion. And if you're working hard, you're going to succeed. You're going to do well. And the biggest piece of advice that I could – actually, I have two big pieces of advice. Don't compare yourself to other artists because they're on a totally different path than you. That's and right. you're going to tear yourself down by comparing yourself to somebody who's doing something totally different mm-hmm. than you. Um, you just have to focus on yourself. You got to focus on the things that are in front of you. Uh, and that's what's going to make you successful. And also, um, you got to have thick skin because, you know, if you're going to be involved in the arts, it comes with a lot of rejection. It comes with a lot of negativity uh, and stress. So, you know, get some thick skin. It's crazy. <laughs> that's great advice. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Very well put. And uh, like I said, I uh, appreciate your time. We had a few more questions. And the reason uh, Catherine's here with us, she's been on my podcast before, um, like you. And, and by the way, uh, how's David doing? Still, Still with David? Oh, yeah, we're still married almost two you. years. Heck, yeah. Good. That's awesome because, like, I was pulling for you. I, I knew you, you both had it, and, and he's obviously very supportive of your career. But um, my friend Catherine here, uh, she, even though she's not on the TV show, she is a she's about to uh, go meet a man in Australia, and uh, she's going to marry him kind of like in the same 90-day format. And if it's okay, that's awesome. she has some questions for you. I'm going to slide it over to Catherine and let her talk to you for a bit. All right. There you go. Hi, Evelyn. This is Catherine. Hi, Catherine. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. So um, as Josh just said, um, I'm getting ready to make a great big leap over to Australia to meet um, the the man of my dreams. And I just have a few questions for you because obviously you're already doing it. And so, um, you know, just kind of getting some feedback from you, um, you know, just kind of about, you know, the way things have worked out. So my first question to you would be, um, what if, what were some of the challenges in the beginning of your relationship? Um, you know, you're over here and he's over there. And so how did you work that out? Yeah, I mean, just I think, you know, long distance is, is hard. I mean, you know, I'm sure you know, especially now, it's like, you know, when you're so far apart and you just, you see all your friends and they all have their girlfriends and boyfriends and they're hanging out and, being together and happy and you're like, well, my boyfriend, my fiance is oceans away right now. And, you know, it gets hard. It's, you know, communication. I mean, definitely in this day and age, it's a lot easier to have a long distance relationship, you know, social media and everything. Um, But yeah, I mean, just communication issues. But like once, you know, once you know, like, this is the person that I love, this is the person that I'm going to marry, like, if they are the one, long distance is totally worth it. You know what I mean? And I think it's exactly. just a feeling that you just know. And it's like, yeah, anything worth having is hard work. It sure is. So let me ask you this. So at what point did you know as a female this is the one? All right. So I, uh, <laughs> David, um, my husband David, followed me on Instagram uh, he had been following me on Instagram for a few years before we actually met in real life. And so he was really nobody to me, just somebody who followed me on Instagram. We ended up finally meeting in real life just because, you know, he was passing through my town. He was he graduated college. He was taking a trip through America. Um, and it just happened to work out. And I have to say, I knew, like, 
right when I met him that this was something different. You know what I mean? I didn't think, oh, my goodness, I'm going to marry him. But, like, I met him and I knew, hey, this is somebody that I could see myself building a future with. Like, I just think they're really – I don't know. It's so hard to explain. It was just a feeling immediately when I, you know, exactly spent the day with him. Yeah. Okay. And so let me ask you this. Who said I love you first? Ooh. Ooh, David did. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been like I I never ever told a guy that I loved him before because that was something that I knew would like scare men away like that's something that I always like ingrained in my mind like never tell a boy you love him don't do it don't do it right uh, and so he said I think I'm oh no he said I'm falling in love with you and I said I think I'm falling in love with you too and he afterwards told me he was so anxious because I said I think <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he did say it first. Okay. All right. Good for okay. Dave. <laughs> and I just have one last question. So now that you guys, I and mean, he's here because I've, I've, you know, I looked on YouTube and I, mm-hmm. I saw the video where um, you and your dad went to the airport. So now that he's here and your career obviously is just, you know, going gangbusters for you, and um, congratulations on that. Thank How you. has your relationship? Um, how, how has it changed um, in that, I mean, you know, you're, you're definitely a public figure, and so, um, you know, how, how do you work that in? Um, you know, in some ways, I feel like it really hasn't changed just because, you know, David kind of came into my life in the middle of all this happening for me, so in some ways, he doesn't know any difference about me. Okay. Um, and... You know, he doesn't look at me like a public figure or anything less than just, you know, his wife. And he loves me, and he's super supportive of my career. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't think things have changed. It's definitely hard because, you know, there are certain aspects of my career that, you know, we're not a a super typical couple. You know, I'm not at a nine-to-five. I'm, you know, I'm making sacrifices. I'm investing my time and my money into – my music career because I believe in it and I'm, you know, this is my passion and it's not always super easy. Right. Um, You know, you get discouraged a lot, you get frustrated, but you know, I have David who fully supports me and backs me up uh, and encourages me. Wonderful. That's awesome. Well, um, congratulations. And um, I'd like to uh, maybe keep in touch with you and let you know how this rolls out for me. Um, Quite different, but I'm really excited and, um, you know, all of God's best to you guys, and, um, Thank you. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, congratulations to you as well, and yeah, anytime, just shoot me a message, and I'll see if I've got good advice for you. I'm not always the <laughs> perfect person, but okay. I might have something. Okay, yeah. well, thank you um, for talking with me, and uh, I'll just turn you back over to Josh. Uh, all nice right, talking to you. Evelyn, you've got such a great head on your shoulders. Um, you know, one more thing I want to say. First of all, you know, bless you and your family. You guys were such a treat to get to know and be in your lives. Uh, I'm sure you get told that a lot, but I've got to find a way to get you to Middle Tennessee to perform for, for the Southern folks. I mean, you can. Hey, that like, sounds good. They call it country music because we fit the whole country, not just the, the genre. Okay? All right. All right, we'll keep in touch, and we'll, we'll get you down here in Nashville, and we'll, we'll do a little picking and grinning, as they call it. But thank you for taking your time to talk with this is the brand new rockin' tune from Brooke McBride. It's called One More. Before you even came to pick me up, 
<laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, and, and besides the song, the new the new EP uh, coming clean, right? Uh, when when will we be expecting that with the you know the six song EP? Uh, we don't have an official release date yet, um, but we're looking sometime in November. Um, so I'm sure we'll be announcing that pretty soon. But right now we're we're expecting November 2019. That's awesome, Brooke McBride. Um, uh, what, what what are your social medias if, if if everybody wants to check you out and get to learn a little bit more about you? Yeah, anywhere you can search online, pretty much I'm there, um, or anywhere your grandma can search online. But um, <laughs> Brooke McBride Music on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, all that good stuff. And then my official website is brookmcbridemusic.com. Well, uh, right on. Congratulations, and uh, let's hope Josh carries on the, the strong name, and we hope uh, many, many happy years with you, and we'll catch you when you get back in town, okay? For sure. Sounds great, Josh. Thank have you. Have a good one. All right, bye. You too. Bye-bye. The second Yeti's Burger dress in the books. We had Matt S. Did he say Seeger? I do not remember. Yeah, well, it was Matt S. But anyway, he is the proprietor of East Tennessee Bigfoot.org, which leads to his Facebook. Uh, Co host Sam Madewell, say hi, buddy. Hello. And anyway, we interviewed him and he told us about his accounts of uh, Sasquatch slash Bigfoot. Uh, Sam, what did you think about that interview we just did with him? I thought it was really interesting. Very believable, uh, you know, considering I've had my own. Um, I thought it was very interesting to listen to. Well, let me let me bring this up. This is this is what really caught me there towards the end, which is, like I said, the man sounded like he, you know, crystal clear mind, didn't sound like a lunatic, but he mentioned, you know, he goes to church, he's a deacon, you know. Uh, pillar of the community. Yeah, pillar of the community, uh, very sound mind. And it just, it does make you wonder whether you believe in this or not. Like I said, I'm a skeptic on the fence, but I will respect anybody that takes the time to talk on my podcast. Sam here said he's seen one, or excuse me, Sam has heard one rustling several around times. several times. Has not seen it yet. So I said I said he had seen it earlier. He got a little upset with me. He's heard it, not seen it for the record. Uh, my apologies to Matt. He has only heard it. But anyway, um, talked to the guy. Um, he lives close to the Gatlinburg area, getting ready to go to the North Carolina Festival, which we talked to John Bruner last week. Um, if you know anybody that has seen Sasquatch or Yeti or Bigfoot or an alien or a Loch Ness Monster, anybody that wants to get it off their chest, like he says in this podcast interview, hit us up, joshbelcher at hotmail.com. Uh, come be on the podcast with us. We don't have to mention your name. We'll put you, you know, we'll put you in a comfort zone. You know, we won't ridicule you and and, and get it off your chest because we're gonna keep this going. It's interesting, isn't it? That's it. Yep, that's it. And that's a wrap. That is a wrap. Uh, Yeti's Burger Dress Number Two in the books. Let's uh, sit in the brush and uh, see what we can find. Today, I'm doing great, man. You guys are doing okay? Yeah, we are. We're doing wonderful. Um, awesome. Any- Anyway, we added to our podcast what we call the Yeti's Burger Dress. Uh, Sam here <laughs> has seen um, Sasquatch, and he's heard him. Right. And I am just here along for the ride to kind of learn people's aspects. And we saw that, you know, being in Nashville, you have uh, the whole program there in East Tennessee and just wanted to know what it was all about. Well, it, it's pretty much as it sounds. Um, I started East Tennessee Bigfoot in 2005 um, after some encounters that, from people in my family had had, and uh, it's just, it's not really a big organization. You know, there aren't very many of us, and, and we don't get very many reports uh, because we concentrate mainly East Tennessee. So it's just, and it's a lot of it's by word of mouth, and, of course, we have the website and a Facebook page, but uh, when anybody gives us a report, we'll do our best to, to check it out, and 
of course, a lot of those reports are, are years old, so really all we can do is just listen to their story. And, um, you know, we try to, we just try to make heads or tails of what this phenomenon is about. I got you. So, um, uh, what was you going to say, Sam? Well, um, so I had an encounter in close to East Tennessee. Mine was in the North Carolina, uh, Tennessee uh, area, and uh, it was pretty interesting. And it got me going on a long line of uh, trying to trying to investigate it, see what's happening. So I, I definitely know how that feels to, to, you know, just trying to get some some other perspectives on it. Right. And you said you said uh, family members. Do you, you have any encounters yourself? I haven't, man. I, I wish, you know, I, I wish I could say, yes, I have seen. Uh, I may have heard a time or two. I may have had that kind of an, of an experience. Uh, it was, you know, I've heard some tree knocks. I've heard some whoops. I've heard some what what could be only described as whistles. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have never actually seen one. But uh, my, my oldest son has uh, encountered Sasquatch. Uh, my ex sister-in-law has encountered Sasquatch. My sister and her entire family have seen Sasquatch. My mother has seen Sasquatch. Wow. It's all around me. It's all around me. And I'm, you know, I'm the one that hasn't actually seen it, but I'm the one out there looking around and asking the questions. So. Right. Uh, where, so what, what kind of thing do you do? Like do you, uh, do you put on little expeditions or whatever? How do you go out and try to investigate it? No, we, again, we're kind of small. Uh, we don't have access to, to large tracts of land where we could go and do that kind of investigative kind of work. Um, every, everybody in our organization is either a member of another organization or they do their own thing. So, you know, it's, it's not like we're, we're exclusive to East Tennessee Bigfoot alone. I mean, one of, one of our members is a BFRO expedition leader, actually. So, uh, and she's very into that. She's very well known. But um, we basically, we just keep our ears and eyes open. And when somebody contacts us, we do everything we can to get as much information as we can about it. Uh, we share that information with other groups if asked. Uh, we, don't, we don't try to hide anything. And, but we don't try to make things up either. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we're not the kind of group that, that's trying to make a name for ourselves. We just want to do our part to try to understand and try to just get a grasp of what these things are. And, and honestly, we just don't know what they are. Well, uh, that is that is the thing, too. I've, I've heard, you know, um, as far as we know, people don't have one to be looking at studying. But what, what would you think they are? What do you oh. – what are your ideas? <laughs> I, I wouldn't care to speculate, really. Um I tell you, I've heard stories that will curl your hair. Yeah, I've heard the mon- what what I would consider a mundane report would be a road crossing. Uh, you know, that's that's run of the mill stuff. The, the things I've heard, uh, considering some of the other things I've heard, and some of the things I've heard are just they're out there. They're really out there. It's it's strange. It's it's borderline paranormal kind of things. I I don't know what to make of it. Uh, I'm not afraid to talk about it, but I'm I'm. I really don't know enough about it to to give any kind of real opinion. I I do know this. They exist. Uh, A lot of people have this misconception that Bigfoot is a singular entity. That's the first thing that comes to my mind when I talk to people about it. They look at me like, well, did you find him yet? It's it's not a him. It's not a her. It's a they. It's a species. It's It's a group. It's a 
it's it's a, a group of beings of some sort. They, there's more than one. <laughs> and I think that freaks a lot of people out when they start thinking in those kinds of terms. Exactly. And um, we just we just know that they're real. You know, I've I've got I've got videos uh, that I've been looking at for a, the longest time, and you know they come in different shapes, sizes, forms. Uh, they go by different names. Uh, they're called by different names. They're considered different creatures depending on who sees them. Perception means a lot to people. Uh, you know, one person might see one thing and one person might see another when they're looking at the same thing. I've, I've found that to be a, a puzzling and intriguing aspect of this because um, I can talk to two different people and get two different stories. That don't mean they're lying. That just right. means that they they perceived what was going on differently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's a life-changing event. Obviously, you know, one of you guys have, have encountered these things, and it's changed you, right? <laughs> yes, it has. Uh, so much so, you know, that uh, I'll talk to my friends, uh, you know, that, that are hunters uh, and or hikers or whatnot, and it's the same sort of thing. You know, it's just been in popular culture, and they've kind of made a cartoon out of it. Out of right. It. The more I let them hear it, if they'll, like, give me a chance to kind of dip their toes into it, they start to realize that they've had some pretty crazy things happen to them themselves. And then when I let them hear other encounters or read other blogs on it, it really freaks them out. And then right. before I know it, they're asking me all kinds of questions about it. Yeah, yeah. I think ultimately what the subject does is it takes people out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. People don't like to be uncomfortable. And, and if they can choose to not believe in something because it freaks them out, then that's how they're exactly. doing it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and people like going out in the woods and, and uh, hiking and hunting. And uh, I know some tough old guys that have been out in the woods all their life. And the few people I have talked to that that said they've witnessed it, they don't go out anymore. Right. So, so that's saying something. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes a difference. I mean, I've I've talked to people who have been hunters all their lives and had they had dogs and and they had such an, an an encounter with one of these creatures that they did. They sold their dogs and their guns. They don't go to the woods anymore. They uh, changed hobbies. They changed I had, hobbies. I had a question for you. I didn't want to change the subject on it. It just it ran through my brain. You guys were talking. Uh, the other day I read an account about where they had found a, a uh, fleet of them or a group in uh, Prince of Wales Island in Alaska. And Sam had he told me after the fact, but I made the mistake of, of emailing the local government, and they told me that they had never heard such a tale when I had just read it from, like, uh, you know, the, the guys that hunt Bigfoot on Discovery and everything. Do you think right. that people try to hide this kind of stuff? I would think so. I absolutely would think so. I would think that local governments probably hide it. Uh, I believe the TWRA hides it. Uh, people are seeing things. And, you know, you guys know for years, I mean, TWRA has told us for years that there were no cougars in yep. Tennessee. Yep. Well, you know, my grandpa was telling me stories about cougars and black panthers is what he would call them since, since I was a child. I'm 51 years old, and I've been hearing stories about cougars, mountain lions, and black panthers in Tennessee since I was a child. And TWRA will only recently has admitted that they are here. So I don't know if, if it's to, to keep the public at bay, to keep everybody's mind at ease. I don't know what the, the purpose of it is. Um, again, we can we can throw out all kinds of conspiracy theories and all right. kinds of stuff. It can go as far left 
as you want it to go as far as conspiracy uh, and things like that. But I, I'm certain that there are people in the higher-ups that know these things exist, and they just don't want maybe maybe it would uh, maybe it would change the logging laws you know you, you wouldn't be able to go in and do what you want to in the wilderness anymore because if you had such a rare species of ape or whatever they are living in uh, on protected land you know it's going to change some things it's going to it's going to get into somebody's billfold somewhere yeah that's what, exactly what what uh Sam was referencing to as you're talking you know the the money sign it's it's all figuratively at the end has to do with dollars but, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it also shakes up uh, what we're taught in science, biology. Right, right. Religion. I mean, it, it it would just, you know, it shakes it off. Uh, I can't remember the exact year, but I do remember reading about the silver lowland gorilla wasn't discovered until like the early 1900s. Right. So, you know, and, and that says a lot. And, I mean, so if you imagine seeing a big silverback before that and you tried writing a description of that or telling somebody you saw that, they would think you are crazy. Exactly. You know, so. Well, let me ask you because I saw I was looking on your Facebook, and which is, I appreciate you taking the time. That's actually where I found you uh, to talk with us because uh, mm-hmm. uh, last week we talked to Mr. John Bruner from the North Carolina Bigfoot Festival, and then you were just at the Gatlinburg one. A lot of people right. are showing up to this. I mean, what does that say? I mean, you, you can't expect fifty plus thousand or whatever to be to be lying, you know. And like you said, all the vendors are full. I mean, there's something yeah. to this. I mean, you, you've heard dozens of accounts. I mean, it's got to be more than meets the eye. Right, right. I, well, I, I mean, again, I mean, for years, I mean, uh, I got into this in 2005, uh, right as, I mean, this, this was before the, the, the show on Animal Planet got really popular, yeah. and that brought a lot of things to light. Now, again, you know, I got to go out with those guys one evening, and it was indeed entertainment. Don't let anybody fool you because you can't find Bigfoot if you've got 15 people following you around in the woods with cameras and lights and sound equipment and all that. It just doesn't work. I mean, there was, they were making a show. But not to take anything away from those people, they are serious investigators. They are serious researchers. We can't take anything away from any of those those guys. But um, the popularity got really big in, you know, 2010, 11, 12, up in that area. And, uh, I thought that after the show was canceled, it really died down. You know, the the interest had waned. Uh, but when we got to uh, a sellout crowd in Gatlinburg for the first ever Smoky Mountain Bigfoot conference, I was blown away. It was it was wall to wall people, you know, and people who had seen actual eyewitnesses who had encountered them. But there were a lot of people who had never seen Bigfoot that were there who were still believers, and they still wanted to know more. Right. I, I think. I, you know, I know they exist. I mean, that, that's not a question for me in my mind at all. I, I, I believe and know that they exist. But I think a lot of people have this romantic idea about the unknown, and I think Bigfoot is part of that. It goes right along with UFOs and, and, and aliens and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's there, there's a thing about human nature that we want to be enthralled. Uh, we want to be intrigued. We like mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why it sustains itself. And, and you know, before before nineteen the mid nineteen fifties, it, it wasn't called Bigfoot anyway. They were called wild men, yep. or mountain gorilla, mountain ape men, or whatever. It was, you know, there, there was they've always been here, and people have always talked about them. Uh, but you know, when the moniker Bigfoot came along, it kindly kindly threw it into a, a tailspin of of fun and yep. games for a lot yep. of people. 
I, so. I, I, I tell my uh, a lot of people too when we bring up this subject that, um, but we didn't we didn't have the internet and podcasts back then, so you'd only hear right. like your uncle at the family reunion talking about it. You know? <laughs> exactly. And now you're or you go out, yeah, you're finding out that it's um, like like you said. I, I I talked to a friend at work about it, and she said the same thing. She's like, you you've seen them. You know, and she was under the same thing, which I was too, thinking that there's just one traveling around the globe. But when you right. find out cultures for hundreds of years have been around, have talked about it, and have different names for this creature, there's something to yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned. I mean, it's, it's it's crazy. I talked to I talked to a witness last night. I had a sighting from maybe three years ago. Well, not a sighting. I guess a, a hearing. It was a strange encounter he had down around uh, Coker Creek down above Chattanooga, uh, over in the, near the mountains, near the, the Carolina border. Uh, he actually heard what he thought were at least five to six of these creatures walk through his camp. Yeah. And they were being, and they were being chased by dogs. So it was, it was a very surreal kind of interview I had with this young man. Uh, he was adamant about it and he was shaken. Uh, he's, you know, it was three years ago and he was still upset about it. Yeah. Uh, he was very excited, and it was just like he never saw anything, but it was like his camp was coming apart. And I, I said, "Are you certain these things were walking on two legs?" He said, "Oh yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a herd of cattle or any horses or anything like that. These things were running and walking through my camp, and there was at least five of them because they were they would. I, I didn't have five of them. I had one, and it, it would yeah. not it would not uh, leave the area. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I know they exist too. Um, it's just, it's hard to try to talk about something that exists when you don't know what it is and people sort of make a mockery out of, mockery out of right. it. So, right. know, it's, it's hard to get to the bottom of it. But if you ever have anything like that happen to you, it, it does change you because it makes you wonder what else is out there that you, you, you're you not aware of. And I think a lot of it is too, like, how many people you know are in the woods right now besides high right. hunters? We're all contained in little subdivisions and whatnot. And, the people right. that are saying they that are out there are the ones telling you they see them, and then right. people just don't believe it. So there's never any sort of uh, you can't get to the bottom of it because you just choose to either not to believe it. I've had uh, friends tell me uh, that they've seen it uh, years ago before I made a connection of what happened to me, and it just went through one ear out the other. You know, I just right. didn't pay any mind to it. You know, but yeah, yeah. Well, on Sam's behalf, and the reason we added this to our podcast is because. Um, Sam's got mental clarity, you know, just like anybody else is, is a sane guy, you know, very active, uh, you know, right. plays music and everything. And, and to have him come tell me, you know, I'm 36, uh, about to be 37 and he's 40 for a grown man that, that otherwise has told me stuff, there's gotta be something to it because I don't feel like he's loony and, and why else would he bring something like that up at risk of being, you know, made yeah. fun of or yeah. something. Right. Well, I mean, you can, well, I guess if you knew anybody I knew, you could ask them. I mean, other than. Other than my insanity with Bigfoot, I'm 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 a pillar of the community, so to speak. You know, I teach Sunday school. I'm yeah. I'm a deacon in my church. I've been on my the same job for 24 years. Uh, I pay my taxes. I I do what I'm supposed to do. I'm a law-abiding citizen, and I'm not crazy. Until you start talking about Bigfoot, <laughs> and then I, and then I'm a lunatic. Then I'm a lunatic. So it's and people uh, and I and I bring that up when they start talking about man you're crazy you're crazy I said you know me for 20 years do I seem crazy to you well no you don't seem crazy but that bigfoot thing I said well 
I, you know, I challenge any human being on the planet to give an honest, honest look at Bigfoot and the phenomena involved in Bigfoot, and not just not just one aspect of it. Run the gauntlet. Go from the right side of the complete unknown hominid ape all the way over to the aliens. Read it all and make your own mind up. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's pretty intriguing. It's very interesting, and and I can't. I can't walk away from it. It's it's one of those things is that there's something out there that we simply don't understand or we're just we're not willing to see. And uh, and may and maybe it's maybe it's in our in our the way we're raised. Maybe it's it's been thousands of years of being um made to be well not let's not go thousands of years. Let's say a hundred years. The industrial revolution, you know, we no longer go out in the woods and, and collect our game. We go to the supermarket and buy our food. We we have electricity, we have central heat and air, we have all the comforts and everything. And when people go out in the woods, they stay on the trails, and they very rarely go farther than, what, yeah. a quarter, half a mile from a main road. I mean, that's most people. And, you know, even people who hunt, they go to the same places every year. They drive in, they drive out, they they stay in campers. You know, it's this it's a different world now. And we've just lost our vision for, I mean, and I'm, I mean physically. We've lost our sight to see things that are there that we just no longer accept as real. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I appreciate your time. I know we've taken up a little bit of it, but if somebody wants to get a hold of your network, uh, what, are, what are your good media outlets? Well, of course, I'm on Facebook, www.EastTennesseeBigfoot.org on the web. And, of course, the website is just a gateway to Facebook. Uh, it's not a very complicated website, uh, just some basic information. Uh, you can get in touch with me on the Facebook page. It's much easier. You can direct message me there. Again, my name is Matt Sieber. I'm the founder and president, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you. I mean, yeah. if we'll we'll talk to anybody. I, you know, I can pretty much tell in 15 or 20 minutes whether or not somebody's pulling my leg or not, uh-huh. but I'll talk to anybody. I will. I will talk to anybody about any aspect of this they want to talk about. Uh, we can email. We can phone call. Uh, if you want, you know, keep it anonymous, that's fine. You just need to get it off your chest. A lot of people just need to talk about it. Yeah. There's somebody who's not going to ridicule them and make fun of them, uh-huh. and that's what I'm here for. Yeah, well, hey, we appreciate it. Like I said, I'm, uh, I've am i never seen uh, – and what was the word we're looking for? It's non-biased. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's unbiased. Or unbiased, yeah. not, not – but anyway, but either way, you know, if somebody takes time to talk to me, I'm going to give them their respect because it does intrigue me. And then the fact right. that one of my closest friends over here has seen one, it's just – it's an adventure I really like to learn about because, like, with anything, if you're ignorant of it, or me anyway, I just want to learn more about it. Right. Yeah. Ignorance is, is you know, ignorance is the blindness of it all. <laughs> just just learn it. Yeah, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, for sir, sure. anyway, uh, thank you for your time. God bless you. We appreciate you. And uh, when we have this out rolling, we'll, we'll send you a link to it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. You guys have a good evening. You too. Yes, thank sir. you. All right. Bye-bye. Um, had the hilarious Phoebe Robinson on the podcast this week for the Josh Belcher experience. Uh, unfortunately, some uh, things uh, have been going on, and she is no longer performing uh, at Zany's in Nashville. Uh, nonetheless, we had a great interview. She's fantastic to talk to. Um, I can't uh, put it all on the podcast because we're discussing actually coming to Nashville. But there's a little snippet I'm going to share with you at the end of this uh, where we discuss you know, how she juggles. Uh, all of her many talents, which is she's uh, she's in a lot of stuff. 
Um, she's got a lot of things going on. Um, just to explain a little bit, I mean, she's a multi-talented stand-up comedian. She's a New York Times best-selling writer and actress. Um, she is best known as the co-creator and co-star of the hit podcast turned TV show Two Dope Queens, which aired eight-hour-long specials on HBO in 2018 and 2019. And she recently inked an overall deal with ABC Studios to launch a production company, Tiny Reparations. Uh, on her second WNYC Studios podcast, critically acclaimed talk show, So Many White Guys, uh, where Phoebe interviews today's biggest stars and groundbreakers, such as Tom Hanks, um, Abby Jacobs, and Issa Rae, Michelle Obama. I mean, many more. And this we're not even done. This is half the stuff she's doing or is, is being a part of. Uh, she's making her presence known in publishing, and she is the author of New York Times bestseller, you can't touch my hair and other things. Still, other things I still have to explain. Uh, a collection of essays about race, gender, and pop culture. Her second book, which was recently released, "Everything's Trash But It's Okay," uh, just came out last fall. Uh, Phoebe made her feature film debut as one of the stars of Netflix comedy Abiza, and followed that up by acting alongside Taraji P. Henson in the Paramount film "What." Men want. Uh, she's also a staff writer on MTV's hit talking head show Girl Code and IFC's Portlandia, as well as a consultant on season three of Broad City. A uh, really funny lady, very talented, very sweet. Uh, really, really kind to talk to her. I really enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, she's not coming to Nashville, so I can't uh, put out the whole interview, but there is a little snippet right here, and I hope you enjoy it. You know, you're you're everywhere. Movies, books, podcasts, uh, which is fantastic. Um, you know, all these interviews. How, how do you manage it all? How do you keep your head on a swivel? Because it seems like you've got things going everywhere. I know. Like sometimes I definitely am like a panic, and I go, "How am I going to do it all? Something I'm going to screw something up." Um, I think I just sort of. I mean, I think multitasking is just sort of a thing where you. Even if you're doing a bunch of things at once, you just have to realize you're not. It's not all going to be perfect, and I think like everyone just in general has such a, uh, you know, a fear of failure or like messing up, and like you're supposed to do everything perfectly and always nail it. But I think like one of the things, especially learning from stand up, is that like from night to night is different. Like some nights you might have a crowd that loves you. Some nights you might just like not be able to sell your material as well. Some nights the crowd might not get you. Um, and so you just sort of like have to just be like, it's a part of the process of like the figuring it out and like learning lessons as part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I also really like all the stuff that I do, whether it's stand up or writing books or interviewing people. So that really helps if you love your job. Yeah. Um, and I think they each exercise like a different part of me, you know, like writing. Cause I, I, I think sometimes when people meet me, they're surprised that I'm a little more, um, introverted than they think and so writing really just allows me to sort of lean into that where I could just be in a room by myself and not have to you know like be on or anything and where I stand up there is also that side of me that wants to have fun and interact with people so I think um the fact that all these different sort of avenues get to get me to highlight different parts of my personality I think that helps and then um I guess like my my final thing is is that like when you do multitask as much as I do or as much as anyone does in entertainment or just in life, whether it's like you're, you know, you're a blogger and then you also like 
you know, drive Uber at night. It's yeah. sort of like you have to make sure you have, you set aside time for yourself where, you know, like my birthday's coming up next month and I'm taking off four days and I'm just going upstate where there's no cell reception. And like, even though it's only four days, it's like you just unplug for four days will like yeah. help me get through the next month of sort of crazy and hectic scheduling. So I think it's sort of just a combination of all those things. Right on. Well, you know, as a dad of two young women, um, you, you're very inspiring. I consider you a a, a good role model for a, a lady, uh, you know, a woman to look up to uh, how to go get and how to tackle it uh, the proper way. So uh, good job. Oh, on my gosh. Thank <laughs> well, you. Well, I, I adore you I, but I know you love you, too. And have, uh, you ever, yeah. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been to Memphis to Sun Records? No. Should I go? And this is why, okay? At Sun okay. Records is where they recorded several songs from the Rattle and Hum album. Cool. And uh, as they give you the tour, Larry, the drummer, Larry Mullen Jr., he left his drum yeah. set after they recorded. They went to go eat some barbecue, left the kit. You can take your picture with it and the microphone stand Elvis recorded with. And I was like, she's got to know about that. If she doesn't, you, you ought to see it. It's like five or ten wow. bucks. It's amazing. I was like, I don't know if she knows about this, but uh, Sun Records is where they say rock and roll was born. Um, definitely got to check it out if you're ever up in that area. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Thank you for telling me. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, you would love it because they tell you about it, and they're the drum set sets, and you can you know you can play on it. You can <laughs> take your picture with it, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's very cool. Groovy. And that wraps up another fun-filled edition of the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. Once again, thanking you from the bottom of the pits of my heart for listening to my podcast. I love it. It's a lot of fun to do. And if you keep listening to them, I'll keep making them. And remember, if you know anybody that you think would be a good guest on the podcast, have them hit me up at joshbelcher at hotmail.com. I'd like to give a special shout-out to Evelyn Cormier. Brooke McBride, Phoebe Robinson, Matt S. of EastTennesseeBigfoot.org for being a guest on the second edition of the Yettysburg Address. My co-host as always, Sam Madewell, and Catherine Kane for coming back. You know, remember she's the Real Life 90 Day fiance. She helped us uh, interview Evelyn Cormier, had asked her some questions as she was on TLC's 90 Day Fiance. Um, remember, I love you. Uh, take care of yourselves. And remember, I actually uh, need to remind you, I love you for you and where you're at in life. Have a great week. Be safe. Take care. And I'll catch you next time. All right, bye.